Amen. Good morning and be seated. So on Children's Sunday, we do all kinds of things different. Once upon a time, we created a tradition. Um, and, and here, once, it's like every other church. Once you create a tradition, it's the tradition forever and ever. Amen. You can't get away from it. Um, and so one of the things that we do on Children's Sunday is I always have some of the kids to come and actually help with my sermon. And so this morning, I'm going to go ahead and call them up. If you guys are going to help with me, y'all come on up. There's four of you here, and I'm looking for the microphone. Okay. You two stand right here for right now. Okay. Okay, y'all stand right here. Y'all go to the microphone. Okay. So church family, Brooklyn and Dean are going to be reading to you our scripture from this morning. Okay. So we usually stand in honor of God's word. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand in honor of God's word. And then they're going to read for us. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. But only the Father, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of house will return. In the evening or at midnight, when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful that your word never returns void. And it's not dictated upon the, the reader of the word, but upon the God who sent it. And so this morning, as we consider your word, I pray that it would be powerful among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you two stay right here. You two go sit down. All right. So it's important that you tell everyone your name. Are you John? Are you... Ren said no. What is your name? Nathan. This is Nathan and... There you go. We got it. All right. So if you want to look at, at what we were looking at just a minute ago, we got a guy that, y'all come stand right there. You, Ren, you can look at me. You don't have to look back there. They're, they're kind of scary. So, so Jesus said, it's like a man who was going on a journey. And so this morning, Nathan and Ren are going to be going on a journey. I brought all kinds of things in case y'all need to go on a journey. Right? We got to get you ready. So you can wear the hat. Is your hair clean? I hope so. It's going to be a problem if it's not. All right, we brought a water bottle. We might need that on our journey. You got it? Okay, some sunscreen. Where are we going to stick this? we just put it right there. Okay, yeah, no, that's not where it needs to go. Uh, um, a rain jacket. Here, we'll let Ren wear the rain jacket. I got a special job for you in just a minute. Here, rain, this is Sloan's. He won't care, though. He won't mind at all. He likes sharing his stuff. All right, so we got a rain jacket, because if we go on a journey, we might get wet, right? You know what? There. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right. We need a backpack, right? Put the backpack on. Let's go. Now we're going on. This is more of an adventure than a journey. Who knows what we're going to run into? So it might rain. You might need an umbrella, too. All right. Now. <laughs> I wasn't thinking when I did this that I was going to give this to a Davis child, but we'll see how this goes. We might be going camping, so you might need an axe. <laughs> if you drop that, we're both in huge trouble. 
And, and who knows? I mean, we don't, we don't even know what we might come across. So uh, what else do we have? Any, oh, what if we have to fight a bear? I brought a big knife. But you know what? I'm just going to hold on to that. I think that's probably smarter. I think, think that'll be the best thing. And then right here, because we might need to look out and say, oh, yeah, you know what these are, don't you? We've got some binoculars. I mean, we're ready. We've got, we got everything we need. I'm, and, and look, if things get really bad, there's even some cough medicine in here. So, I mean, who knows? And, and any time that Miss Angela packs, she makes sure I don't get hungry. So we got, man, you don't have a pocket. We got a, a you do? All right, well, here, here. We got a granola bar right here. That's peanut butter, Mom. So you might want to confiscate that when they get back. I'm not sure about allergies and all that other stuff. All right, so Jesus says that it's like a man who's going on a journey. These guys, they're going, they, you guys are a motley crew. <laughs> so they're ready to go on a journey. When are you going to get back? When are you going to? Sunday? You going to come back Sunday? <laughs> yeah. So, so Jesus said it's like a man who went on a journey, and he left out, and he had all of his stuff, right? He looked, man, you got to grow up and hold this bag. Come on. He had all of his things, and he's ready for his adventure, and he, he's walking out the door, and he looks at his servants. He says, hey, you're in charge until I get back. Stay awake. And maybe the servant says, well, when are you going to come back? And Wren says, I have no idea. We're off to find adventure. And Nathan says, I might just use my axe and cut down some wood and make a hut, and we might live there for three weeks. I don't know. What do you think? Huh? Folks, this is, ex- this is kind of what's, this is how we begin. Give me that. <laughs> this, is, this is how we begin. I'm putting this back in the backpack. This is how we begin this, this story uh, from Jesus. He says, it's like a man who was going on a journey. And when he went on this journey, he said, I'm going to come back later. But he didn't tell him when. And so the people that worked for him, they knew this. They knew they should anticipate his return at any time. Because it didn't, he didn't know when. But they were going to look out the, the window one day. And they were going to see the, the traveler coming back home with his hat and his backpack. And he wanted to know when he got there if his people had been waiting on his return. All right, guys. Y'all did a really good job. Let me collect all my things. You better give me Sloan's jacket. See, now it looks like my boy's room right there, just like their bedroom. Just everything piled up in the floor. Great job, guys. All right. This is why we only do children's Sunday once a year. My, my nerves won't take it. All right. Mercy. I love y'all. Aubrey, you were supposed to move this for me. <laughs> Ray and me and you gonna have to have words later, buddy. I don't know how this is gonna go down. If you have your Bibles, as we've already mentioned, we are in Mark chapter thirteen, the very last section in Mark thirteen. Thank you all. Our children are doing such a good job. They, they got in here and they practiced on Wednesday. And um, I, I listened to y'all singing while I was up there getting ready for baptism. And y'all did a really good job. I'm very proud of the work that goes into our children's ministry. Um, and, and listen, numbers is one judge of what a ministry looks like. But it's only one. Perhaps the best judge of what's happening in our children's ministry is what's happening with our 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. 
because they're, they're getting a foundation at church, they're getting a foundation at home. It's allowing them to grow into more mature believers by the time they hit middle and high school. And so we are so grateful for the work that goes on there. Um, but uh, they've done a really good job just getting ready. And this morning, I want to make sure that as we preach, um, I get the opportunity to make sure our kids stay engaged. So guys, I want y'all to pay attention. And the thing that I always tell my kids is when it's all said and done, I want y'all to be able to at least tell me three things that I talked about today, okay? Three things. And if you don't tell me, you can tell Miss Rhonda, right? And if you don't tell me or Miss Rhonda, write it down and send us a letter. But I want you to get three things that you can take home from this passage of Scripture today. Um, you know, many people early in the church claimed knowing Christ would return, and, and many people claim the same thing today. We, we call those people false teachers, and we do that for a reason. Jesus himself said, I don't even know the day or the hour when the Son of Man will return. Jesus said, the Father has not seen fit to give me that information. I don't need to know it. But he, even though we don't know exactly when it is the King is going to return, what we know is that the King is going to return. And knowing that, I want us to keep in mind this idea of a traveler. This idea of a traveler, and we don't know when that traveler is going to come home, but what we know is that when the traveler gets home, we need to be ready. This morning, I want to urge you to be ready, to be ready for the return of the king. My big question is, how should we live as we await the surprise return of Christ? But if we were to just boil that down into one small statement, it would be, be ready. Just two words, be ready. And I think Dean would have us put an exclamation point right there. Be ready. For Jesus to come. What's that look like? The first thing we should do is live with anticipation. Live with anticipation. Now, when we talk about anticipation, Christmas is going to be here soon enough. I'm so excited. Uh, for those of you without young kids at home, you might not have turned the page to Christmas yet um, or, or even started to think about the holidays. But for all of us with young kids at home, when Christmas ends, Christmas kind of begins all over again. And as the, the months wear on, they know that school starting back is one more trigger point for them. that They're getting a little bit, little bit closer. And so at our house, the process of Christmas preparation has already begun. We'll put up our first Christmas decoration on October the 1st. We do that as our protest against Halloween just because we think it's a wasted holiday. But, um, uh, but my, my kids are already thinking about it. Sloan has already found the Cabela's catalog and picked himself out a foldable camping shovel. We don't camp. I'm not sure what his intention is with it. Um, but maybe you're not already anticipating Christmas morning, but perhaps you're anticipating the first Carolina or Clemson game of the year. College football started last night. Some of you anticipated that for several weeks. Perhaps you're anticipating the, the, the cool weather. This morning was so wonderful for those of us that are anticipating the fall. We got a taste of it this morning. We know that fall is near. Folks, anticipation is a good thing. Anxiety is a bad thing. And the two aren't the same things. Anticipation is the excitement about something that is going to happen. Anxiety is the fear about what might happen. Jesus is going to return one day. We're going to get new bodies one day. We're going to live with him in heaven one day. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then the return of Christ should not bring anxiety, that is, fear of the unknown. Instead, the promised return of Christ should bring a sense of anticipation. 
This is, they're stored up for us something far greater than we could ever hope for or imagine. But Christians often don't live with the anticipation. And the reason is that there are many misconceptions about what heaven's going to be like. And it's not just there are misconceptions. The reality is we just don't like change a whole lot. We don't. I, I don't like change very much. And some of y'all have had a few more years of life to not like change. And so you like it even less than I do. Children are like this, right? They, they don't. When, when you have a tradition in your home, you, the, the thing you don't want to do is change that tradition because the moment that we say we're going to do something else, everything goes, goes haywire. When we introduce a child to a new kind of food, they hate it. They hate it. They hate it. They don't want any part of it. But they haven't even tasted it yet. But the fear of the unknown, of what could possibly be there. I have a brother like this. He's a good guy, good man, good dad. Pretty good son, got third, second or third in line. Um, uh, but he, I mean, he hates change, y'all. It's, it's bad. It, once he likes something, especially food, he likes it just that way. Don't ever change it. If he, if he liked, if you cooked it for him and you cooked it in the oven, but it was supposed to be cooked in the grill, when he comes to eat, he expects it's going to be in the oven every single time. He doesn't want it on it. He just doesn't like change. And when we change, we have to talk him off the ledge. I don't know how this is going to go. It's going to be okay. Just take a deep breath. Everything's going to be just fine. Right? It's, it's really not that big a deal that the hot dogs are bun length this time instead of regular. Okay? But some of us can be that way. And when it comes to our, our thinking about heaven, even as believers in Jesus Christ, there are times when we don't look to the afterlife with an a sense of anticipation with excitement and joy for what is to come and as believers in Jesus Christ as those who are confident that you have been bought by the blood of Jesus sometimes that lack of excitement comes about as a result of some serious misconceptions or misperceptions about what heaven is going to be like we go, well, when I get to heaven, I won't get to do this, and I won't get to do that. And we go to heaven, it's just going to be one big church service all the time. And I, some of you kids are sitting there like, man, I, I get all the church I need once a week. I, I don't want to sit in another church service for the rest of all time. But folks, that's a, that's a misconception about what heaven is going to be. Here in America, we have it pretty good, and life is comfortable. And so we begin to believe that heaven is something less exhilarating than what we know in this life. How wrong we are. I like what Al Mohler wrote in his book on the Apostles' Creed. He said, heaven is not a place of less, it's a place of infinitely more. All the good things known in this life will either be amplified infinitely in the life everlasting or they will be transcended by things that are infinitely better. What does that mean? That means the things that aren't present in heaven aren't there because there is something so much better that God is going to bring to your heaven and my heaven. The things that you do experience in heaven are going to be amplified so that they are even better than you could have ever imagined. Whatever your favorite food is, when you get to heaven, you can assume that it's going to be better than it is here. So if you've been satisfied your whole life with like Easy Mac, you're going to get to heaven and it's going to be something like Chick-fil-A macaroni and cheese. Like I really think that might be where the recipe came from. But God is going to do that. Folks, we should live with anticipation about the return of Christ. Now, when we get to, and this is what troubles me some, if we're not careful, the only thing that we read about the end of time, the end times, are books that scare 
the ever-living bejeebus out of you. I mean, and, and you, you read it and you go, oh my gracious, when the end times comes, I, oh, what, it's going to be awful. Folks, let me tell you, there will be trials in this life. Jesus warned us that in John 17. But he said what? But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Folks, we don't have to look at death or at the end of time with fear and anxiety. We can look at it with anticipation. Because what God has laid up in store for his children is infinitely better than anything that we could have ever imagined. Jesus said that what I've got laid up for you is such a big deal that I'm going to go there early and prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. Folks, as we think about the return of Jesus, as we think about whether it is that Jesus returns in glory and power in our lifetimes and we live to experience it, or whether or not it is that Jesus calls us home as all of us will at some point pass from this life into the next, we need not fear what the future has in store Because Jesus has laid up for us a crown of glory. An incredible opportunity to spend all of eternity with Him. So I want to urge you this morning, when we think about the return of Jesus, first thing, to live with anticipation. Be excited about it. Why don't we get excited about heaven? I'm going to tell you why we don't get excited about heaven. Because we have it so good here, we have a hard time believing that it can actually be any better. And I'm here to tell you that it's going to be a whole lot better. Live with anticipation. Second thing this morning, live with urgency. When is Jesus going to return? We have absolutely no idea. So does that mean we should just waste our time here on earth because we don't know when he's coming back? No. In fact, Jesus urges his disciples just the opposite. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep because you don't know when the master is coming again. Part of the evangelistic urgency that should come in the lives of believers is the reality that heaven is real, but so is hell, and it is the destination for all who do not belong to Christ. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to be an evangelistic people, a people who are urgent about the message of the gospel. When I think of a sense of urgency, the first thing I think of is an ambulance and a fire truck, right? Because when we see those, those fire trucks come zooming down the road, we assume, we know that there is an emergency somewhere. Lives are in danger. And those people driving those emergency vehicles, they believe that if they can get there, just get there in time, they may actually be able to save lives. They're not wasting time. When you go into a firehouse, you know, they've got everything there. So if the alarm goes off, they can be on that truck so quickly because everything is laid out and ready for them when they, when they need it. Folks, I'm curious, do we have the same sense of urgency when it comes to sharing the gospel with others? Do we recognize that life is short and there is a desperate need for everyone to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hebrews 9.27 warns us that it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. Judgment is coming because humans stand condemned. Jesus told us that in John chapter 3. But Jesus came not to condemn the world, but you ready? In order that the world might be saved through him. Folks, do you have a sense of urgency about sharing the gospel? Do you know that you don't have to be a preacher or a teacher to be able to share the gospel with somebody else? Do you know that? Do you know that you can share the gospel with somebody on a napkin? What is the gospel message of Jesus Christ? It's really pretty simple. That Jesus came and lived among us that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again, and now he's ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's the historical gospel of Jesus Christ, period. It is an event that took place in history. 
Can you share your testimony? This is what God did, or this is who I was. This is what changed and what God did to me, and this is where I'm headed. If you can tell somebody your testimony and share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in two and a half minutes you can share the gospel on a napkin at a Starbucks or at a Hardee's or a McDonald's or anywhere else on the planet. And who knows but that you might see people come to Christ. You say, Craig, I feel uncomfortable. I feel awkward. Okay. Welcome to the club. We've all been there. We've all been there. But I'm going to tell you something. Firefighters probably feel a little awkward when they have to kick the door in of a house to put out a burning building, but they do it anyway because even though it is not what they want to do, there is a desperate need for the salvation of anyone and anything that might be inside. Folks, we need to be doing gospel work with a sense of urgency. With the realization that real people are dying, real deaths, and are going to a real place called hell unless there's a real encounter with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. How should I live in anticipation of Christ's return? First, live with anticipation. Second, live with urgency. Finally, this morning, live faithfully. I want to free you from the tyranny of WWJD. And I don't really think that asking what would Jesus do is bad, but... What God wants from each of us is not to alter the course of human events. We're called to live to faithfulness. We're called to live lives faithful to Jesus. Jesus warned his disciples to stay awake. And much of the time when I read that, I read it this way. Dean read it this way on Wednesday night. Um, He was a little more reserved in front of all y'all. But when Dean read it Wednesday night, he said, stay awake. He didn't do that this morning. He got the nerves got to. It's okay. You did a better job because there's no exclamation point right there. Right? There's not. I've always read that with an exclamation point, but there isn't one. So you did it right this morning. That's a good job. I tend to read this, this verse of Scripture like that. Stay awake! But Jesus is a lot more even kill right here. He says, y'all stay awake. Stay awake. Why does that matter? Well, I think it matters because Jesus wants us to understand that he's calling us to faithfulness. Faithfulness. Humans are competitive by nature, and because we're competitive, we like to really ratchet up the intensity on things. And Craig Thompson, if humans are competitive by nature, I'm that times three. And so we like to ratchet it up, and I do like to read it with an exclamation point, but if we're not careful, our competitive nature can breed things that are just ridiculous. Let me share with you a few bizarre competitions that our world sanctions today. Kids, y'all need to listen because y'all are going to love some of these. The World Rock, Paper, Scissors Society. Is that right? Rock, Paper, Scissors? Did I say it right? My kids make fun of me all the time because I say it wrong. It's not Paper, Rock, Scissors. It's Rock, Paper, Scissors. They had a championship in 2007 that was aired live on ESPN2. In Finland and some other European countries, couples compete in wife carrying. We're going to be doing this during children's lunch in just a little while. Husbands have to carry their wives on their backs through a 235-meter obstacle course. All right? Some of you ladies are going to love this one. There is competitive knitting in France, which is exactly what you would think. Speed knitters have three minutes to complete as many stitches as possible. The World Memory Championships, which is a competition to see who can memorize the most things the fastest. How about Quidditch? Anybody know what that is? Yeah? It's the game from Harry Potter. Of course, in the books and the movies, Quidditch is played from a flying broomstick. In real life, Quidditch is played with similar rules, but since they can't fly, 
this is true, competitors have to play with a broomstick between their legs just like they're riding it. I mean, I, it's, it's like they said, hey, let's do lacrosse, but let's put the nets away, so they're just toting their lacrosse net. But then my favorite one, you ready? Listen. Hobby horse competitions. Go home and Google this, okay? And if any of you in here participate in this, y'all just forgive me for what I'm about to say. This is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever come across in my life. It's for people who want to do equestrian on a budget. Competitors perform something like a steeplechase while mounted on their stick horses. They do a world championship of these things. I believe that when they did the equestrian thing in Tron um, last year, they actually had some of these kids come in and do this. It's 90, 90% of it are, are girls, and you can watch them online. They, they, they prance. They gallop. Right? I shouldn't have done that. I hope that didn't get videoed. <laughs> they gallop. Uh, they, 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 um, they, they, they do all, and then they run this steeplechase. And y'all... They get, like, I've watched the videos. That's probably worse than even doing it, admitting that I've watched the videos. And they're so competitive. These little girls just bawl their eyes out when they lose. And I'm just like, parent, you know, give them a book or something, a ball, anything. What's the point? We love to compete. And sometimes we make things way more competitive than they should be. We create anxiety where none should exist. Jesus said, be ready. But he didn't say it with an exclamation point. Jesus said, be on your guard and be ready. How would Jesus find you when he returns? How would you want Jesus to find you when he returns? Of course, everybody's answer is, I mean, I, I hope I'm sharing the gospel. I mean, I'd love to go out in the pulpit. I'd love for Jesus to come back and I'm right here. This is where he finds me. But you know, I don't preach 24-7 and even the most evangelistic among us doesn't share the gospel every minute of every day. A whole lot of your days are filled with very mundane tasks. But listen to me, even those mundane tasks can still be done to the glory of God. Y'all, when we think about what it looks like to honor Jesus with our lives, when we think about what it looks like to live with faithfulness, it would be okay if Jesus returns to find me going for a walk with my wife. That would be all right. And it'll be all right for each one of you. The expectation of the Christian life is that the king will find us faithful. Faithful in word and in deed. Faithful as Christians, as evangelists and preachers and teachers and children and young people. But also faithfully living at Christians at work, in our homes and on the street. This is normal Christian life. This is Christian life without an exclamation point. This is Christian life in the boring parts. And I want you to know that that's okay. We don't have to be competitive about how hardcore we live our Christianity. Your Christianity may not be very radical. It might just be very normal. And that is okay. Why? Because <coughs> it's really not about you. You see, the Christian life is all about what Christ has done and is doing in and through us. And so how is it that we would want to be found when Christ returns? Living faithfully. The prophet said that we honor the Lord how? Doing justice, loving mercy, 
walking humbly with our God. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require. Those are the things. And so as we come here on this Children's Sunday, it's pretty appropriate that we would talk about kings returning. Because there's nothing better than a good book, a good children's book about the return of a king. Right? When the ruler returns and sets life in order, the Proverbs teach us that without any prophetic vision, the people run wild. That's true throughout Christian lit- or children's literature, isn't it? We can't wait to see things return to normal. Christian, here's my question, and it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 88. Here's my question for you today. How will the king find you upon his return? Do you live with anticipation, expecting heaven to be infinitely more than you could have hoped for? Do you live with urgency, sharing the gospel with others? Do you live faithfully, working to look like Jesus in every experience of life? Are you excited about Jesus' return, or are you dreading it? Some of you here can't be excited because you don't know for sure if heaven is really for you. Is there a sense of anticipation or a sense of anxiety? Do you look forward to all that is ahead of you, or are you anxious about what you may experience in eternity? Listen, here's what I want you to know today. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be afraid of what eternity brings. Jesus died so that you could live. And the gospel message of Jesus is really summed up in John 3.16, isn't it? That God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know that you can actually have assurance that heaven is yours? Yeah, you know, I, I work with people a lot who would say, I just want, I want, to, I want to know for sure that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. The Bible teaches us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you ask God to forgive you? You can be confident that He did. If we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised from the dead, we will be saved. Did you confess Jesus as Lord and do you believe that God raised from the dead? You can be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus? I'm not asking if you got wet one day. I'm asking, have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus? Folks, if you've done those things, let me just assure you, Jesus didn't turn his back. He loves you. And if you've done those things, you can have the assurance that we used to sometimes sing about and still do occasionally. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. And we sing what? This is my story. I can't sing it. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. If you're here today and you don't have a confidence and assurance of your salvation, I don't want you to leave anxious 
about what might happen in the future. I want you to leave anticipating the joy that is to be found in Christ Jesus. If you're here today and you would like that blessed assurance, we're going to stand in just a minute. We're going to sing just as I am. And when we stand and sing, what I want you to do is just to come forward this morning. I'd love to talk with you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Perhaps God's at work in other ways in your life and you'd like to come up here and pray. Perhaps you've been a part of one of our Next Steps class. You'd like to come join our church. Whatever it is that God's working in your life, I want to invite you this morning to come as we sing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory and honor for you are worthy. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we know that assurance is possible because Jesus died to save us. Father, please work as we sing in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me.